Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. So today we got another return guest on with us. I call him my friend now. We're at each other on Twitter all the time. We're talking about stuff and I just admire everything that this man is doing. And so we have Dr. David Roney back on the show today. So welcome back, Dr. Dave. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me back. Man, and so we're just chopping it up before we got here. And uh, before we actually hit record, I just wanted to jump right in. So you're in Cuba right now, right? I'm in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, and I will say this with a disclaimer. Everything that I say does not represent my employer, which is the United States Navy. These are my thoughts, and my philosophy does not represent the Navy. We get that out. You got to get those out the way, just in case. You got to get those out the way. Yeah, exactly. So, so much has changed, right, since we talked last time. Last time we talked, the nation was open. There was no pandemic. This is pre-George Floyd. Wait, no, no, no. We talked after George Floyd, I think. Wait, we might talk after George Floyd, like right after. June. I think it was in June we had you on. Everything that's been changing and everything that's been going on, man, just give us an update. What's going on with you? Man, it, so it's crazy because your podcast was the first podcast I went on, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, all these people started asking me to go on podcasts. Mm-hmm. I might have done like eight podcasts since then, wow. right? And people just different little topics, right? Mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for you even giving me that time to talk. And as a matter of fact, on my Twitter page, I keep that up there. Hey, if you want to find out more about who I am, mm-hmm. like check out the Minority Money Podcast, right? And so I share that. And I think it's been shared quite a bit in the thousands. Yes. Today, I still get people sending me random messages like, hey, you know, I just listened to you on a Minority Money Podcast. I really love what you're about. And I'm like, man, he's got a lot of folks out there listening to it. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, man, it's been crazy. My blog at the time, which was brand new, right? I only had a couple articles. Mm-hmm. I'm eight months into writing that stuff. And now we're like at, it's not really a lot, but consider I don't advertise it that much. And I'm only on Twitter. It's about 150 people per month, right? Where I just do very little effort. It's just me writing one article a week. Mm-hmm. And I get about 150 visitors. Occasionally, the last article I wrote, like jumped up to around 400. It's been a little crazy, right? So it's done pretty well. I mean, I'm not looking for anything crazy out of it. A lot of people have been asking, and it's been gaining momentum over time. So I'm happy, man. You know, I'm down here on assignment for a year, and I'm still working at it. Every day I'm working at it, and I'm really just trying to figure out a way to really help and give back. Twitter's been awesome, right, for staying contacted with folks. I managed to, in the meantime, link up with Tyrone on some things. Tyrone Ross, shout out to that man. Shout out to Jamie Hopkins, right? And really partner with those guys. And we even, man, I think we raised like a five-figure sum for No Kid Hungry last year at the end of the year to try and push people with doing the catch-up challenge. So that was cool. And really just networking with good people, right? The thing that we forget is the world is really big. And so what you end up getting is a snapshot here and there. And that's what social media provides. Across all these platforms, I've been able to meet folks like you, shout out to Jason Wink and all these other people who are really phenomenal at what they do. And Mm. I'm very thankful for it. And I learned a lot from you guys, man. I'm constantly trying to soak up 
knowledge from the port of perspective of where you guys are going, what you are thinking, how you think about finance, and sort of translate to that to people who can't necessarily afford a financial advisor. The thing that I love about the relationship that we've created, you're in medicine and I'm in finance. Money connects everybody. Money doesn't have a color. And so when we're thinking about that, I'm thinking, here we are, Dr. Roney, with the certified blog, the financial hunger that you had. You wanted thirsty for knowledge. You wanted to learn. You wanted to learn. You wanted to learn. And you kept learning and then put the blog together. And I love the way that you explain stuff because it's different than the way that some of the other financial people explain stuff. I just really like it. I find what you've done with the blog and what you've done with the voice that you're creating for yourself. I love the work that you do, bro. Like I really do, man. And it's good to have you out there fighting the good fight and getting the information out there. You were talking about some of the things that you're doing to help the financial planning profession. And you're talking about some stuff that you're partnering with. If, if you care to share any of that stuff. Yeah. I personally, I love financial services, right? I shared before when I got out of college, I tried to get a financial advisor to really help me and I couldn't afford it. Right. And it pissed me off. And that really is what drove me to really look more into finance and learn how to teach myself. And then I have bigger appreciation for it. Once I dip my toe in there, it's like a wide spectrum of things. And then you start to understand the business and everything, right? So now I'm like, this is really a good opportunity. Now, granted, the industry's moving towards a CFP, CFA route, getting certified and a CFP requires like the educational requirement. But at the moment, if you're 18, 19, go take the Series 65, right? That doesn't mean you got to start a RA, a registered investment advisor firm yourself. That's like a big stepping stone. I'm 18 years old and I took the Series 65 and bam, now I'm a registered investment advisor. That shows you're committed, right? And then that can help you network and get in the building. Think about it like you are 18 and you've been working for someone for 10 years and now you're 28. You're like, man, I mean, I got 10 years worth of experience. I got a network now. Bam, I'm starting my own advisement firm. Man, that's a big deal. Now you're a small business owner, right? You're creating jobs and now you're in your community, right? And no student loans. So I'm like, man, in my head, people got to know these things. People got to know there's an option. I didn't even know what a registered investment advisor was this time last year. I didn't know what this Series 65 was, right? And I'm 36 years old. This is a good opportunity. Why aren't we talking about that as a community? Why aren't black people talking about this? Like we always talk about having money and managing money, doing this and going out and whoop whoop doing all this crazy stuff, right? But then we don't talk about the opportunities that really are there, right? My whole thing is you got to figure out what you want. If you're going to college, go to college for a reason, right? Go to college because you're like, you know what? This is my goal. I want to be the first college graduate. But at the same time, know that that's an investment, right? So don't waste the investment. And I'm not saying it's a complete waste, but like college, and you know that the degree that you're going to get is not going to pay, like there's no paying job on the other hand, then what are you doing, right? Mm -hmm. You got to have a plan. Okay. Now, if you're going to college, you're like, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a dentist. I want to be a doctor. I want to be an engineer. That's fine, right? That's a plan. But if you're just going to say, I'm going to just go major in communications and figure it out. Well, guess what? You just wasted, especially if you're not an athlete, you wasted your own money doing that, right? And to me, like knowing I know now, that's no return on investment. You can't use that degree. And people are just going to be like, oh, you know, I don't really need a communications major and I'm not trying to 
crap on the communication manager, but that's just really what it is because they force a lot of athletes into that, right? Go get a degree that's going to help you get somewhere. And now, at the end of the day, I just want to help people get the information they need because the one thing about financial that I have noticed after really diving deep in the financial services, like I follow all you guys on Twitter, I try and talk and be in the conversation, a fly on the wall is that no one talks about income creation, right? And one of the things about income creation is you got to, personal finance also says that you got to increase your income as much as you can before you start thinking about other things. Maximize your income. A great way to maximize your income is by owning equity. Well, if you're from the hood or you're from whatever, how do you own equity? Start your own business where you own 100% of the equity. Well, how do you start your own business when you don't have a skill? Figure out how to get into an industry that will provide you a skill. Right? Most people don't even realize a real estate course might cost you 150, right? The license might be another 150. And then after three years, in most states, you become a broker. You can start your own brokerage, Yep. right? Now you're a small business owner. Now, a lot of people don't wanna be small business owners, but at the same time, you own equity. That's your license, right? That's your property. And trying to get people to think and change their mindset to where you don't have to depend on anybody else. That's where like I'm really trying to go with things. And on Twitter, what I've been doing is I pay attention to a lot of different people. I have a lot of different people that I follow and listen to. I'm trying to connect people, right? Because I hear the hunger in their voice. I hear what they're saying. You really want to learn about finance. You're really interested in being a business owner. There's an opportunity for you, especially your minority women. There's a real chance for you to be successful in financial services if you want to go after it. And if you're willing to go after it, I'll let you know. I'll give you all the contact information I have for people and say, hey, this is what I found out. Here you go. One thing that I'll interject, you said something into it. The, the job security, I believe, for millennials and minorities, millennial minorities especially, is going to create your own job. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I'm sitting here, tons of my friends have jobs. And when this whole pandemic thing happened, and they start shutting places down and people were losing jobs, who was the biggest group of people that were impacted? It was minorities. It was black and brown folk that were impacted because they worked for someone else and they didn't have their own way to create wealth, to leave a legacy and do those things that we talk about a lot on the show and, and just in daily conversation. This is stuff that we talk about. So as you know, we're doing this Black History Month, so we're celebrating that. And I wanted to bring you on for that. But as black folks, what are some of the things that we can do? I know you're talking about doing a business, this and that. And for that person out there that's saying, you know, I want to create wealth, I have ideas and I'm trying to set the question up. But at the same time, there's a lot of people out there that may think I have an idea and I want to start a business. I just don't know how to do it. I want to start this. I'm scared to do it. I want to do this because when I started this, even thinking about this now as a black business owner, firm owner, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, there was no one in my family that I had to look to to say, okay, this person in my family owns a business so I can ask them for help. I get it. I 100% get it, right? And I think we as Black people, we are distrustful mm -hmm. of others, right? And rightfully so. We have hundreds of years to have a reason to distrust others, right? We don't even have to go down that route. We can just see it in society right now. But the thing that they don't tell you is that networking creates wealth too, right? Mm -hmm. Because 
a closed mouth don't get fed. And all black people know that. Closed mouth don't get fed. But at the same time, we don't practice what we preach. The reality is, is if you have an idea, tell other people. Because what you're doing is manifesting that idea. What's going to happen is your idea is going to be refined. They're not going to steal your idea. Now, there might be people out there that might try and steal your idea. But because they don't have the same passion as you, they're not going to pull it off. Because you were the one who generated that idea from your passion, right? And so when you start to tell people and you start to talk about these things, you might tell 100 people, but there might be one person in there that's the right connect for you. And they might be like, hey, you know what? That sounds like a good idea. I actually know someone who can help you out. Mm -hmm. Case in point, I was the exact same way last year. I don't know if I should talk about this. It might be a dumb idea, yada, yada. And Tyler Olson, shout out to Tyler Olson, great guy was like, hey, man, you, you should really talk to Jason Wink. I didn't know Jason from Adam. Mm-hmm. Jason was like, you know, I'm not sure how much I can help, but I know some great people you can talk to. I'm going to reach out to Emlyn. I'm going to reach out to Tyrone. And the rest was like history. And then mm-hmm. everything just started clicking. I was like, man, you know, I got to talk to people, mm-hmm. right? Because what's the worst thing somebody can say to you? No, I can't help you. Well, guess what? You're still in the same position. Like, you know the worst? But what's the best thing that can help you is, oh, yeah, you know what? Actually, I can help you out or I can have somebody else. Now you're going forward, right? You're making progress. And what I want our community to do is start talking, right? Not being boastful or anything, just legitimately, hey, this is what I want to do. How do I get there? And then also start listening, right? Because you got to listen and learn from other people's experiences, and learn this person's been a business owner for 15 years, learn what they hate about being in business, learn what they like about being in business, and then talk to other people about it and start to come up with your own opinion, right? So what I want us to do is just to focus on communication. Communication solves a lot and just open your mouth. I think just saying that simple stuff, it's money, the taboo of money in minority culture, especially in black communities. There's just so much misinformation out there, especially in black communities with the get rich quick schemes and all the other stuff that we fall victim to because we want to avoid the hard work. We want to avoid the discomfort. We want to avoid embarrassment. Oh, you want to avoid all that. And so you sign up for something else that's a get rich quick scheme. And then you find out that you're not getting rich quick and you just lost some money. And so the thing is, we have to do better. And it's going to take effort from guys like myself and people like you reaching out and reaching out to younger people or older people alike. Because I think that some of these lessons that we're learning, we're learning them now, but there's people that are 20 years older than us that still didn't get these lessons. And so talking up and down the family through generations, I think about the conversations that I have with my grandparents, love them to death. We never talked about money. Love my mom before she passed away. We never talked about money. Love my aunt, big supporter of what we're doing here. Absolutely love their shares, all my stuff. We don't talk about money. And so this is the people that are in our family. So I'm going to place a challenge on anybody that's listening to this to talk to someone in your family about money. You don't necessarily have to talk to them about your money situation. Ask someone about credit. You say, well, what about credit? Ask your parents. Ask people that you know. I don't care if you're 50 years old. Ask your parents if they're still alive. Ask them what their ideas of credit are. Ask them what their ideas of debts, liabilities, and things like that. And then do what Dr. Dave said. Listen, close your mouth. Listen to what someone has to say. I think just listening to something, and I've been talking about my son a lot on the shows, but from all my kids, 
my son, I'd say, because he's two and he's probably the one that's he's just he's all over the place. But what happens is I learn from him by listening to what he's saying. He's two. There's not a lot of full, complete sentences that he has, right? His vocabulary is not that big, but he has a few words that he has. And I'm taking what you're saying and I'm seeing it in action in my own life. And it took time for that. But having conversations with him, learning from people that are younger than you and people that are older than you and being able to learn from anyone. And I think that going into conversations with people, knowing that you're trying to learn something changes the way that you listen. Absolutely. Right. And I love the fact that you brought up your son, right? Because I have three kids and my oldest daughter, 10, she can negotiate with the best of them. And I started this early with her. When she was two, I started teaching her about money because as I was learning, I was like, they're not going to make the same mistakes that I make. We are going to be open and we're going to talk about money. Mm-hmm. So they know what I make as a surgeon. And we talk about that. They also know that I'm the one making it Mm -hmm. and they also understand. And I started accounts for them so that they get to see what compound interest does for them. Mm -hmm. And it trickled down because now that my oldest is doing it, my youngest also wants to do it. Mm -hmm. So she also wants to say, Hey, instead of this Christmas money buying toys, I know everyone else is going to buy me toys. If I get money, I just need to put in my bank. Mm -hmm. So My son will be like, nah, just put it in my bank account because I know I'm getting toys. Because everyone buys kids toys. We all go overboard. But like the money, put that up. Sometimes kids will get $500, $600 for Christmas from family. Mm -hmm. Put it up. 18 years, if you've never put another dime in there and you just put it in a paltry, uh, terrible index fund that Mm -hmm. is getting 5%. You're going to have thousands of dollars in there in 18 years Mm -hmm. and you didn't do anything for it. That wasn't even your money. And just having those conversations, changing our mindset, becoming very deliberate in what we do, Mm -hmm. because you have to deliberately make a choice about what you are going to do. Yes, 100%. As we're talking about this, I'm going thinking about perseverance, basically get through what you got to get through. You did mention this earlier when we were talking, you're talking about the not-for-profit. You guys said you were able to put together five figures for a not-for-profit. Talk to us a little bit about that. What was that about? So this, I believe, came from Jamie and Tyrone. And basically, no kid hungry, right? So Mm -hmm. Tyrone, you know, is very active, very socially aware. And he really, really presses. He presses those heartstrings to say, hey, you know, We are privileged, and there are those who are not living the same way. Let's do something to help them. Mm -hmm. And Tyrone really gives. He gives everything. Mm -hmm. And they really put this ketchup challenge where you pour ketchup on something that's crazy and drink it or eat it, right, that you wouldn't normally do. And then you make a donation. And the foundation was No Kid Hungry that they chose. Mm -hmm. And it really caught traction and within the FinTwit community. And I think they raised about five figures, a substantial amount. And made a pretty big donation. That's awesome. That's really good to see because Tyrone would be like, no layaway, November, and all these mm-hmm. different things. And it really went after this one thing. And it reminds me, doing stuff like that makes you feel better. And it's selfish because you do feel better when you do it. But then it also, it's a component of finance that nobody talks about, like your charitable donations. There's a reason the IRS gives you a tax break for charitable donations. You're supposed to give back. Mm -hmm. 
So now while everyone's talking about forming LLCs and doing this and having business write-offs, if you really want a tax write-off, give back. It doesn't even have to be a lot. Put $25, pick a charity, Mm -hmm. and put an allotment for $25 a month. It may seem insignificant to you, but it's significant on the other end. And there's like some really good charities out there that I tend to follow. One, they hit home for me. No Kid Hungry, it hits home for me because I was a hungry freaking kid. I weighed 132 pounds when I was going to go play college basketball as a freshman. 132 pounds. I was soaking wet. I couldn't even walk in the wind in New England, right? I had to walk backwards because the wind would whip me around. And then human utility, which they go and they pay for water bills when people are about to get their water shut off. I had no running water in the house. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. So those things hit home for me. Mm-hmm. And it can be literally anything. If you don't want to do that, just donate your time. That's money too. Mm-hmm. And that's why I talk to people. You're a financial advisor and you say you want to give back. Well, go give an hour of your time and go spend it when we open back up at the rec center or at the library and go get financial advice for an hour. Time is a more valuable commodity or more valuable currency than money. Because it's personal. Because when you give somebody your time, man, you really commit it to them. It's mm-hmm. easy to give money. It takes two seconds. You mm-hmm. don't even have to think about it. Bam, here's how I have some money. But like when you give them time, you're really committed to helping them. And that's just my whole thing. I'm just trying to get people to sort of change the way we think about things. Being on Twitter is a privilege. We may not see it that way, but think about it. In order to be on Twitter, you either got a computer You got internet access, you got a phone, you got a phone service. There are still people in this world that don't have those things. Yeah. It's a privilege. We are privileged. So let's help others. Helping someone else isn't going to hurt you. Not at all. I think that's great. I love this. You get to speak from experience. And when you speak from experience, and when you live long enough, the longer you live life, the better you get at it, right? So what happens is you can hear these experiences and it's really going to drive you because you know what it's like to be the hungry child. You know what it's like to be, be in the position of some of the people that we're actually able to help now. You've been in a position of needing help. And so I think that it's very important that when you give to something that's bigger than you, because what we have in, in most of our country, most of the world, if you will, we're selfish. And selfish is... Self-preservation, basically. That's why you start out being selfish as a kid, right? You're trying to preserve yourself. But somewhere along the lines, we never, ever stop being selfish until you find the group of people that are giving to someone that can't give them anything back. And what happens when you begin to take the attention off yourself and start to give it to someone else of your time, of your money, of your efforts and those things? It really makes you think and look at the world differently. And it takes that real, that me, me, me out of it. And I think that giving is especially of something so precious as money and time. I think that that just changes. It's almost like the gratitude thing, right? When you give, it makes you more grateful. We're grateful for what you have. It all runs together. And I think that there's not enough people that give. Oh, there isn't. I mean, I can remember everyone who refused to help me. Every last one of them. Mm -hmm. And I carry that with me. Because it helped motivate me to help people because it was way too hard to get to where I am with no help. Mm-hmm. I went from being homeless at one point and my family living in a car to becoming African-American surgeon. I just went through the entire numbers 
from the most recent physician workforce, and African-American surgeons, male surgeons, are less than 3% Hmm. of all surgeons. Less than 3%. And somehow a kid that had nothing made it to where in a privileged field where majority, pretty much majority of people come in with some type of privilege, Mm -hmm. right? Their family was physicians or they came from a well-to-do household and they can afford because there's a huge barrier to entry that's economic that most people aren't going to get over. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, we grow up thinking the get rich quick scheme, play the lotto, mm-hmm. sell drugs, quick, go to the or league. go to the league. That is unfortunately what's been pressed upon our community as a way out. When in reality, you can be an electrician, you can be a contractor, you can be a carpenter, you can be a plumber, you can be a financial advisor, you can do all these other things that nobody talks to us about. I'm gonna say this real, I just want to jump this, put this in there. If someone would have told me when I was a child that you can make more money and a better living for your family and for yourself by being smart than being strong and fast, this conversation would be totally different. That's never spoken to our children. That's never told to me. That was never told to me. I found that out like last year. What I'm saying is I never had it put in that context. If someone would have told me that I can make more money because what we're trying to do is get rich quick, right? If someone would have told me if I can make more money by being smart, intelligent, than I can by being strong and fast. I'm not saying I wouldn't have played sports, but I promise you I would have played them with a different tune, understanding that this is not the end all be all. I can do something else and be successful. I went to college. I went to college with the whole express thinking that was the only way that I was going to get a job that can pay me enough. And the only way I was going to get to college was by playing sports. No other option. No one ever presented any other option. If they would have told me, hey, if you're smart, if you work hard academically, you open up the possibilities. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it started hitting me a couple of years ago and I sort of changed the way I think, do some things because I was like, man, you know, like started looking around the show like Bill Gates and like Mark Zuckerberg and all these guys. These dudes, I know they ain't played sports their entire life. I hate to say it, but they look like your prototypical nerd, right? They were not outside playing football, dodgeball, none of that. But I'm like, these dudes are uber wealthy and successful. I'm like, whoa, we got this backwards, completely backwards. The pitcher of wealth should not be an NBA player or a football player. The hedge fund guy down in Texas that paid off all the Robert Smith, Tyler Perry, Oprah Winfrey, those should be household names. They weren't playing sports. Like they created, they used their brain to create things. And here they are, freaking billionaires. I was just happy to make $42,000 coming out of college because I thought I was rich. Right. Now it's like waking up out of the matrix. You're like, man, you know, there's a whole different ball game out there. We've only been playing this little spectrum. It's time for us to play the full game. Yeah, we've been over here playing tiddlywinks. Yes, exactly. You know, playing others to playing chess. Yeah. There's chess and checkers out here, and that's part of the problem. But Absolutely. We're going to change that. You already know. This is what we out here doing that, fighting a good fight, and on the front lines, changing the complexion of wealth. As you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And today, I wanted to ask you some questions around Black History Month, because it is Black History Month. So we wanted to go ahead and just, the question, I didn't write them down. These are going to come off the cuff. 
Well, first, what does black history mean to you? You know, it's funny because my wife, we talked about this. So I grew up in California, just like you, right? California is different. If you're in the Bay, that's Black Panthers. You learn about that culture. And then you get SoCal, where everything is like melting pot of everybody. And so you start to lose some things. So honestly, it didn't really hit me what Black History Month really was about until I went to the Naval Academy. And then I saw really where I stood in the world. <laughs> right. That was the biggest eye opener. And then I started learning about Juneteenth and like all this because I had never heard about that stuff in California. I didn't hear about mm-hmm. HBCUs in California because one HBCUs weren't good in sports. So if you were a good ball player, you weren't trying to go to an HBCU. That meant that you weren't a good ball player. Right. I'm keeping it 100. Right. That was the reality. Like if you were going to an HBCU to play sports people were looking at you funny that's not a mid-major and i hate it that's way but then i got out east and i started going to pg county which is the blackest wealthiest county in the country right now i'm just what have i missed and so now over the course of the years since 2002 i've been like every year i learned something new and then now being a physician my eyes are really open to it and black history month they give you a month on a calendar, mm-hmm. but black history is all around us. You can't contain my history mm-hmm. in a month. Mm-hmm. No, you're not going to disrespect me like that. Not going to disrespect my culture like that because mm-hmm. black culture influences everything. Permeates every aspect of American culture. Every aspect of American culture. Social media platforms are built on black history. Instagram built on black history. That's black culture at work. We are history in the making. Black history means everything to me, and I will always promote it because it matters. My history should not only matter during one month. My history matters all the time, and I want people to really take that pride. If you're going to lock me in this box, then you get to say I'm less than. I'm not less than. Mm -hmm. I'm equal, okay? And if I'm equal, meaning black history is equal, then we get celebrated all the time, just like every other culture. Mm-hmm. You're not going to lock us in. Like, this is just, only we can only talk about it during this month. Nah, uh-uh. George Washington Carver. There are people who are going to go down in the history books. We need to talk about them, okay? It shouldn't just be when someone tragically dies. It shouldn't be about that. That's why I really want people to be open and share their story so I can acknowledge Robert Smith why am I just finding out about you a year ago Mm -hmm. I should have known about you 20 years ago Mm -hmm. you clearly have a track record of success people need to hear these things and I love what LeBron James doing he's going to go down in history but like his bat to me his basketball career is less than what he's done off the floor oh yeah no doubt about it but the first thing they're going to talk about is his basketball career Mm -hmm. that's a kid from Akron that created an entire charter school where kids get housing, they go to college, and they don't have to worry about hot meals. Do you know what I would have did? I would have killed for that. But it takes someone from there to create that. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So black history to me is everything because it's all around us all the time. And it should be celebrated, right? Absolutely. Absolutely celebrated. 100%. Now, how did it feel? You know, you kind of reach this career pinnacle. You become a surgeon. How did it feel becoming 
a black surgeon. You know, I didn't realize the weight of it because I first heard the statistics at my graduation when they were talking about me before I came up. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize this is rare. Mm-hmm. And then when I realized and I really took it in, I was like, I got to do a good job because it's rare to get a chance to do this. So all eyes are going to be on me. Now, is that a lot of pressure? Yeah, you know, I can put a lot of pressure on myself. But at the same time, there's going to be a kid that's going to see me one day and going to be like, hey, I'm going to do that because I want to be better than him. And I'm absolutely all for it. My big thing now is I'm kicking down doors and I'm leaving them open. I refuse to let you close that door behind me because other people are going to come in. Guess what? I was a statistical anomaly and God chose me to follow this path. So I know there's going to be somebody better than me coming after me, and that person needs to get a chance to do it. And I refuse to let you limit them by me doing bad, because you're not going to use me as the excuse on why you can't take a chance on me. So that went through my head, and that's what I think about daily. And I'm trying to let people know, like, you can be yourself, Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to let you change that. Just because I'm a surgeon doesn't mean I didn't grow up in the hood. Doesn't mean that I don't wear Air Maxes. Doesn't mean that I'm not a sneakerhead. I'm going to be, exactly. I'm going to be myself. Doesn't mean that, and that's why my whole big thing about when people try to label what a professional looks like. Nah, you don't know what a professional looks like because not everyone has been able to get into the profession. So the people use those labels, what someone should look like, as a way to exclude you in the profession. Well, guess what? If my work is impeccable, if my track record is impeccable, if my resume is impeccable, and I look the way I look, guess what? I am the profession. So what do you got to say now? Right? I love it, man. I love it because we got to leave the door open. I like it. Leave the door open because there's people we got through the door, and I look at the same way in finance. Like, we got through the door, and now we got to look back and be like, okay, we holding the door. Drake says it the best, man. He said, I got the torch. He said, I'm lighting the torch so everybody can see the way. He said that in a song. I can't remember what song it is. He said, but I got the torch and I'm trying to light the way. And I feel like there's a group of men, not all black. There's just a group of men that are all pulling for the same thing. And we're trying to light this big ass torch and lead the way. Absolutely. Like you're in there holding the torch with us. I thank you, man. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you. You inspire me every time I get off this. I'm like, I got to go do something. <laughs> Last time we talked, I tried to start three different companies. So let's see what happens this time. <laughs> in closing, do you have any parting gifts, closing things for them? So I mentioned Jamie Hopkins and Tyrone Ross. We have an initiative, a nonprofit that we are starting. Hopefully it will be like up and running. There's going to be an announcement coming up. It's called Evolve. Look out for it. And I may have some hot takes about finance, but I legitimately want to learn. If I see it from a certain perspective, I'm going to say it. And I really want people to just get out there and talk, communicate, and really network. Don't be afraid to cold call somebody. Don't be afraid to cold email. Don't be afraid to reach out. My DMs are always open. You can find me primarily on my blog's Twitter account at Fisergy, or if you really want to get in contact with me, just contact at Rony D on Twitter and I'll get it. I monitor those DMs all the time and I will help you. Like I said, I'm trying to keep the door open. I'm lucky enough that people like you have befriended me and I have Tyron Ross and all these other guys. 
And I have no problem asking, like, hey, do you mind just talking to this person? I can't help them, but at least I can be the intermediary to sort of funnel people through because you never know. Someone might reach out to you and they might be the next Warren Buffett. And what they are is they just didn't get an opportunity. They didn't grow up in a family that had money, but they have a brain that beats money. And so you got to take chances. And that's all I want to do is just give people a chance. And I think that's words to live by. And I'm not just trying to quote all these rappers, but (laughs) Rick Ross said, all we needed was an opportunity. That's all we need. So give somebody an opportunity to be the next Warren Buffett, to be the next Bill Gates, to be the next Elon Musk, whatever we have. Just give people the opportunity to live their full potential out. And I think that's awesome. And work that you guys are doing, that's evolved. If you have a link to that or something, we can put that in the show notes. When people drop, they can go right to it and do that. But I just wanted to thank you again, Dr. Day, for coming on today and sharing your story, sharing your feelings. And it's always heartfelt. You're my guy, man. From the Minority Money Podcast team, we thank you for coming on today. And we look forward to all the work you're doing and we will support you in any way we can. Thank you for having me. As you all know, this is the Minority Money Podcast, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. I'm your host. Until next time. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks but I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast, so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here, and until next time.